Come with me, please, to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Reading from verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen's herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Title of my message today is Making Life-Changing Choices. Making Life-Changing Choices. Every single day of our lives, we make choices. It's a daily functioning part of our lives. And for the most part, the choices that we make every day are so mundane and inconsequential that we hardly even give them much thought at all. This morning when you get up, you chose to have breakfast or not to have breakfast. And if you did have breakfast, you chose what you ate for breakfast. You've done that a thousand times and you hardly even gave it a thought. Now choosing a car or buying a home, that's different, isn't it? I mean, that requires a little bit more effort. You've got to put more thought into that. Or choosing a career or a job. Again, that's such a big part of our lives. And obviously, we have to think more about that. That's a bigger choice to make. And of course, choosing a partner. That's a major, major choice, isn't it? Because the ramifications of that will carry on usually for the rest of your life. So it has long-term effects. Now, some choices that you will make will have lifelong consequences. Indeed, some will have eternal consequences. So choosing then is hugely important. How you choose is so very, very important in life. In Genesis chapter 12, before we read into 13, Abram uh, was called by God to, to go to a land that God had promised to him. And with him went his father Terah, his wife Sarai, and his nephew Lot. And so they set out and they reached Haran. They spent about five years there and that's where his father died. And then they moved on and they came to a place of famine. And because of the famine, then Abraham decided that they would divert into Egypt. And they spent a considerable time in Egypt. And then when time was done there, they moved on again. And eventually you come into chapter 13 and here they are, they're in the land that God had promised. But they have a problem. 
They have a problem because they had so much between them, so many flocks and herds that you see that there was arguments and quarrels between the herdsmen and between the families and everybody was vying for the same little plot of land and it just couldn't handle it. And so Abram said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll separate and you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, Abram deferred to Lot and that was a very generous thing to do. He didn't have to do that. So it was very generous because he was a very generous and humble man. And that tells as much about Abram that he gave him that opportunity. But it also tells as much about Lot that Lot took that opportunity. In fact, what Lot should have said at that point, should have said, well, you know, Uncle Abram, that's very, very generous of you, but actually I, I really couldn't take that offer. I couldn't do that because you're my senior and you're my uncle. And actually you're the one who heard from God to come here in the first place and all my wealth and all my riches is simply because I followed you. So no, I, I couldn't do that. But he didn't do that, did he? No, 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 no. You see, and I think by this time, uh, when they got to this place, I, I think Lot, because of all his wealth now and all his riches and his flocks and herds, I think he thought, well, I'm the same level as Abram. I mean, there's no difference between us. Look, look, look at what we've got between us. I mean, there's no difference, but there was a big, big difference. And so here he's at the stage now where, he, where Lot has got to make a life-changing choice a choice that would affect his life for the rest of his life, a choice that would have great and grave consequences in his situation. And so listen and look what happens and how he made this choice. Let's learn something from these scriptures. And Lot lifted up his eyes, saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Now, let's just stop there. Did you notice that it does not record that Lot prayed about this choice? Now, we did read in the opening verses that Abram called upon the name of the Lord, he built an altar. But Lot didn't build any altar. He didn't call upon the name of the Lord. As far as he was concerned, this was a no-brainer. He felt so fortunate that his uncle would give him the choice and he wasn't going to let it slip past. He was going to take it and grab it with both hands. No prayer, no seeking God, just lifting up his eyes. His choice was taken totally and completely in the natural Nothing spiritual about this choice whatsoever. What he saw was what he wanted. And you know, I suppose you could say, well, he was given the offer and it was beautiful, beautiful land. And when he looked out, all he could see was the, the verdant fields and, and the rivers and the streams of the plain of Jordan. And there was five cities there. And so it looked very, very attractive. And I suppose you could say, well, that was a good choice. That was a wise decision. I mean, you couldn't fault him for that, could you? 
I mean, look, you could think and think, well, my, my, my cattle will really thrive when I, down there. My cattle will, will prosper and thrive and, and, and I'll have a bigger farm and I'll have more money. And, and so everything he meant, it was, it was taking every box. Every box he could think, it was just tick, 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 tick. It was just ideal. But actually, there's a problem with his choice. There's a problem with his choice. And if we read on down a little bit, we'll see what the problem is. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Cana, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now, the way the, the authorized version says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, you see, here was a problem. Everything looked good. And if you didn't know what he was thinking, it looks wonderful. It seems to be, it's a wise choice, it's a sensible, it's a good choice. But actually, there was another motivation in his heart. And that was the city of Sodom. Now, no question, he knew what was going on in Sodom. Everybody knew. I mean, they'd been there long enough to know what was happening. And yet, and still, in spite of that, he still pitched his tent towards it. And in fact, it wasn't too long, you see in the next chapter, in verse 12, where he dwelt in Sodom. After a while, he had pitched his tent, but after a while, he uprooted from moving from that wonderful plain of Jordan into the wicked city of Sodom, a city that God had marked for destruction. Now, he didn't know that at this point. But it was a city, had he prayed, had he sought God and got the wisdom of God, he maybe would have felt a check in his spirit, but he didn't. No, 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 no. You see, he thought, well, I know it's bad in Sodom and I know what these people are like and I know what they're doing and I know it's wicked and all of that, but you see, I'm not going to get involved in that side of it. But there's business to be done there. There's deals to be done. There's people I can talk to. There's connections I can make. There's things I can do that I can't do out in the fields in my tent. And so they moved into Sodom. And boy, they were going to have a world of trouble. Once they did that, they were going to have a world of trouble. And they certainly did. Uh, because if you read the next chapter, you'll see that Sodom was attacked by four kings and there was a great battle. Uh, and the kings took Lot and his family and all that he possessed and took them captive and we're taking them off to sell them as slaves in Mesopotamia somewhere. And if it hadn't been for Abram who heard what was happening and who decided to go and rescue his nephew, and he did rescue him, he took his, his men, I mean, he had a lot of servants, and he took them and he fought a battle and, and, and brought Lot back again with all his family and with all his possessions, everything. Now, you would have think at that point, Lot would have learned his lesson, wouldn't you? You know, I think, well, thank God, Uncle Abram saved me from that. And so I'm going to go back to the plain of Jordan. But he didn't. He didn't. He still stayed in Sodom. And in fact, in chapter 19, verse 1, it says, and he, he, he was sat at the gate of Sodom. Now, sitting at the gate means that you're a leader there because that's where, the, that's where the, the leaders of the city sat at the gate. That's where they made the decisions. That's where the civic leaders met. That's where the business deals were done. And that's probably why he was there, sitting at the gate of Sodom. And so, 
Things were going horribly wrong. If only he had awaited and prayed and sought God, but he didn't. And this life choice that he made was a, a choice that was going to destroy his whole life. In fact, two angels came to his door and told him that God was tired of all the sin in that city and he was going to destroy it. It was marked for destruction. And so, Lot and your family, you better get out because he sent us to destroy it. You better go. <laughs> and whenever he heard that, he went to his two sons-in-laws and they laughed at him. They thought he was an idiot. But here he is. He's living here now in the city. He's bought a house in the city. And it probably was a big house and a beautiful house. <laughs> better than living out in that tent because he was always a better one out in the tent, but he's in the city now. His wife will be shopping in the city. No shops out where the tent is, but there's shops in the city. His children will go to the school in the city. He's doing business deals in the city, but God's going to destroy the city. So the two angels come, and they begged him to leave. But while the angels were in his house, there was those in the city, men, old men and young men alike, it says, and they started banging on the door and demanding that he hand over these two strangers for them to have their way with. And I don't have to spell it out to you. Horrible it was. And he thought it was horrible. You know, in Second Peter 2, it says that that righteous man Lot vexed his soul daily when he lived in that city, but he didn't move out of it. He, he didn't enter into what they did, but he stayed there amongst it, vaxing his soul. And so he pleads with those men, they wouldn't listen to him, and he says, look, I've got two daughters who's never known a man, I'll give my daughters to you, you can do whatever you like. And he, he was going to give the, his daughters over to that baying mob. Horrible. And they said, no. They had no interest in the two women. They wanted those two men. And then the angel opened the door and pulled them in. Struck those with blindness. And even when they were struck with blindness, they were still banging on the door. They were still trying to get those two men. Such was the drive in them. But anyway, as early as possible the next morning, before daylight, the angel grabbed him and his wife, his two daughters, and pulled them out and told them to flee to the mountains. He says, I'll never make it to the mountains. I can't make it to the mountains. Can you not let me stay in the little, the little city of Zoar? Zoar means little, little city. Can you not let me stay there? And God says, okay, I'll let you stay there. And so they enter the city. Sodom, Gomorrah, there's five cities. Probably the other two, I'm sure, were destroyed, except little Zoar. But then he got afraid and thought, well, let's next. So they began to run up to the hills and they entered into a cave. Imagine from his beautiful tent in the plain to a beautiful home in Sodom, now he's living in a cave up the mountains. And I can hardly bear to tell you this, but his two daughters, remember, had been brought up now in Sodom. His two daughters decided, well, we'll never have husbands now. We'll never have children. Your father will never have any grandchildren. His lineage will never carry on. And so they got him drunk. And each of them slept with their own father and had two sons to their own father. One was Moab and one was Ben-Ami, who was the Ammonites. So the Moabites and the Ammonites, those two tribes, 
come out of that terrible, awful, horrible, sinful situation. And those two tribes became thorns in the side of Israel all their lives. And so here is a life-changing decision that went horribly, terribly wrong. That's a pretty bleak picture I've painted. But I did that to show you if you're going to make a life-changing decision, you've got to make a right decision. Because if you don't make it right, you could be in for a world of trouble. Now God's gracious and God's good and all that, and we know all of that there, but he leaves choices to us. Often, for the most part, he leaves choices to us, and that's why we've got to seek his face and know his will and know his purposes and try to do what is right. And so he lifted up his eyes and he saw, and everything he saw was what he wanted. And nothing was going to stop him getting what he wanted. But the trouble was, even if he just stayed in that plane, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom. If you're going to make a life-changing decision, make sure you don't pitch your tent towards something else that you shouldn't be pitching it towards. So how do you make that life-changing choice? How do you do that? How do you get it right? Because we want to get it right, don't we? How do you get it right? First of all, check your motivation. Check your motivation. Why am I doing this? Why do I want this? Why do I want to go there? Why do I want to have that? Why do I want to be that? Check your motivation. And make sure as you check your motivation that there's not a hidden motivation. See, anybody that stood beside Lot when he looked out over that plane, anybody that stood there watching him would think, well, that's a sensible decision. I mean, that's a wise thing he's doing. I mean, what's not to like? But they didn't know there was another motivation in choosing there, and that was the city of Sodom. He could see all of those cities, and he deliberately chose to go to as close to Sodom as he could get and pitch his tent towards it. And it wasn't too long till he was living in it. And it wasn't too long till he was at the gate of it. And it wasn't too long till everything started to go pear-shaped, really badly. And he's in big trouble because of that other motivation. And so the first thing to do is check your motivation. Is my motivation, is it right? Is it pure? Is it good? Or is there another thing? Is there something more that I'm hankering after? And on the outside, in fact, you may feel I'm doing the right thing. It may look like to everybody else you're doing the right thing. It may seem that way, but if there's another motivation, then it could all go horribly wrong, as it did for Lot. So make sure you do that. Secondly, pray Pray much about it. Take time to pray. As we can see, Lot didn't pray. He didn't spend two minutes in prayer. As far as he was concerned, it's a simple, simple choice. I look and I see, that's exactly what I want. It's wonderful. I'm getting the best choice imaginable. I can hardly believe I'm getting to do this. 
This is wonderful. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Not even a thought of praying. Not even a thought, well, maybe God doesn't want me to go exactly there. You know, not even that thought crossed his mind. He saw he wanted. So we need to be very careful and we need to make sure we pray and say, Lord, is this for me? Yes, he had to separate. Yes, Abraham told him to separate. But is this exactly for me? Certainly Sodom wasn't for him. And if he had prayed and prayed much, I'm sure you could be sure that God would have found a way to say about Sodom, ah, no, no, don't want you anywhere near that place. It's trouble if you go there. But he didn't pray, you see. He looked at things purely in the natural, not in the spiritual. And oftentimes that's what we do. Let's be honest. If it looks a good deal, if it seems right, if it looks right, if it feels right, it must be right, if we don't even bother praying. We say, well, God's handed this to me in a plate, so it must be, it must be God. But if you had stopped and just prayed and sought the face of God, or like Abraham who did pray and who did seek God. Yes, Abraham made many mistakes and yes, sometimes he got it wrong. Even when he was Egypt, he got it wrong. He lied about his wife. Yes, he did all of that. But his heart was always to try to seek God and to pray and to honor God. Yes, he's human. Yes, he failed in lots of ways. By the way, that's where he got his wife, got Hagar, the Egyptian maid. <laughs> that cost him a world of trouble by doing that. But because he was a praying man, God forgave him and God directed him. But even in our humanity, sometimes we still get it wrong, but at least God will see to it that he forgives us and helps us if our heart was for God in the first place. As far as Lot was concerned, it was for him. Everything he did was for him. Ah. And then you've got to ask yourself, if I make this life-changing choice, how will this affect my relationship with God? You know, many, many believers never even think that way. Their only thought is, how will this affect me? What's in this for me? But what we should be saying, how will this affect me spiritually? How will this affect my relationship to God? That should be an important thing in our lives. How will this affect my relationship with the kingdom? How will it affect my relationship with church life? If I do this, what time will I have left to devote to God and the things of God? So you've got to think these things. If it's important to you, that is. If it's important that you want to follow the Lord and you want to do your best for the kingdom of God, then you've got to ask this question. Will this draw me towards the Lord or will this draw me away from the Lord? And as you can see, as far as Lot was concerned, it drew him further and further and further away from the Lord and from the things of God. It was beginning to affect him. How will this affect my relationship to God? Now here's the thing. I know he had to separate, but he's actually separated from the most godly people that he's ever known in his life. The fact that they were the only godly people he's ever known. And now he's attached himself to the most ungodly people he's ever known in his entire life. 
What a difference. What a difference. Even if he had stayed in a plane, at least he was within sight of the godly people, but now he's in the midst of the city, far from them. Now, how many times has believers made choices, decisions that took them further and further and further away from not only God, but from the people of God and the things of God until they pointed their tent in another direction? Are you getting this this morning? Because some of you may be at that stage where you're about to make a life-changing decision. So you've got to get it right because the ramifications will be great. You may have to live with them for the rest of your life. So it's got to be right. Then you've got to ask the question, how will this affect my family? If you've got a family, particularly if you've got children, especially if you've got children. You know, whenever Lot looked over the well-watered plain of Jordan, I'm sure his first thought was, boy, look at those fields. This will just be so good for my cattle. I mean, my cattle will prosper, they'll multiply. I mean, this is such a blessing to me. Look at my cattle. I mean, they just will love being in that plain. But I never thought, what about my children? When he pitched his tent towards Sodom, he never thought, what about my kids? And he took them with him to Sodom, the most sinful place on earth. And that's where he took his kids. Did he not see this is going to cause a problem? Did he not see? When you see what his two daughters did later on, you can see, even though the angel got them out of Sodom, but Sodom still was in them. So we need to think of these things. How will this affect my children? If I do this, or if I become that, or if I whatever, how will this affect them? Now, there could be a situation, for instance, where God calls you to something as a family. And you're thinking about your children. How will they adapt to this? How will they react to this? But if God's called you to it, then you've got to do it and pray for them and cover them in prayer and bless them and let them see the goodness of God and let them see your life lived out trusting God and believing and have faith in God so that they will get that and catch that so that they will go with you in that. But you've got to consider all of these things. And so it says in verse 10 that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. He did that. It was his choice. He lifted up his eyes. But then I like what it says about Abram down in verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, the Lord said, lift up your eyes and now look. He, he didn't decide to look. The Lord said, lift up your eyes and look. So now the Lord's guiding him. The Lord's directing him. The Lord's speaking now. It's God's time for him to lift up his eyes. He didn't lift them up of his own bat, not like Lot. He waited 
and he trusted and he left everything in God's hands till God spoke and God says, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width for I give it to you. <laughs> everything. I'll give you everything. You didn't ask me for a thing, but I'll give you everything. You trusted me from the day you left Ur of the Chaldees. Here's the land that I promised you. I give you everything. By the way, Abraham never possessed that land. Other generations from him would, but he never did. All he had was the promise. That's all he had. He left Ur the Chaldees with a promise, and here he is, and all he's got is the promise. But that was enough for Abram. The promise was enough. He didn't care as long as he had God's word and God's promise that he would go in the strength of that. And if we leave the best that God's got for us, and should it only be a promise, we walk in that promise. And we serve God faithfully. And we live for him. Let me finish with this. Remember the, the wonderful story of Ruth? And how that Naomi, there was a famine in the land, in Bethlehem. The house of bread had no bread. So her and her husband, Elimelech, and her two sons, Malon and Kilion, they moved to Moab. And while they're in Moab, then the two sons met these two beautiful girls, Ruth and Orpah, and they married them. And then in time, Elimelech died, and her two sons died. And here's three widows. And then in time again, she heard there was bread back in the house of bread. She wanted to go back to her own people. And Ruth and Orpah says, well, we're coming with you. She says, no, 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 you stay. She says, I'm too old to have any more sons, and even if I did have them, would you wait until they were growing up and marrying them? No. It's better that you stay with your own people in your own homeland and find another husband here. And Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law and left. But Ruth clave unto her. She held her tight. Remember what she said? Entreat me not to leave you, or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. I've been watching you. I've seen what you've come through. I've seen your loss and your hurt and your pain. And I've seen you at times when you're angry, even angry with God, saying he made me better and all that. But you're still going back. You still haven't given up on God, your God. So I want your God. I've watched your life. I've seen your faith. And I believe you're God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do to me. And more also if anything but death parts you and me. And of course, they went back. A little Ruth, this Moabitess, from the tribe of Moab that we just talked about a moment ago. Here she is. And now she is faith in the one true and living God. But she's going back with nothing. I mean, Naomi has nothing. 
broke and she's a widow and Ruth's a widow and she's broke but they're both going back and Ruth's saying, well, whatever happens, I'm going to trust your God I'm going to stick by you. See, she made a life-changing choice and what a life-changing choice that was because we never heard tell of Orpah ever again. She's gone in the dustbin of history. But this young woman, she goes back and she gleans barley as the poor people would do in the barley fields. And there she met Boaz, a very wealthy, rich farmer who owned lots of land. And he was a kinsman. He was a relative of Naomi. And he sees Ruth in the fields and he falls in love with her. Long story short, he marries her. He marries her. This little Moabite lady, he marries her. And they have a child called Obed. And then in time Obed grows, he gets married. Here's a child called, everybody know who his child was called? Huh? Pardon? Jesse. And who was Jesse? The father of David. David. <laughs> the father of King David. And so her son, this Moabitess, this poor little Ruth, because she trusted God, she made a life-changing choice. And now her son is the grandfather of King David, and David's greater son is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 1, you'll see her in the very lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a choice she made. And it was a great choice. And God honored that choice wonderfully well. You see, if you make the right choice for the right reasons. She had no other motivation other than, I want to serve your God and I want to serve you. That's all I want to do. That's all she had. But that was the, all the motivation that was needed and that was the right one. And God honored her to now even, she's in the very lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. A Gentile in the lineage of Jesus. Amen? And so... If you're going to make a life-changing choice, pray about it, seek God about it, ask yourself, how will this affect my relationship with God? How will it affect my relationship with my children? What will it do for them? Ask yourself all these questions. Have I another motivation in this? Or is my motivation pure? And if you do all of that, then say, God, help me now to make this choice right because I want to honor you. And if you do that, God will honor you and he'll bless you, amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you do love us and that you do have a wonderful plan for each of our lives. Help us to find that plan. Not only find it, but walk in it. Help us to make the right choices in life that will honor you and that will bless us and bless those around us. Bless our children and our grandchildren. So we give you thanks, Lord, today. Help us, Lord, in these incoming days and weeks, Lord. If somebody here has got to make a big, big choice, help them, Lord, to do it to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.